This is the Content Design and Delivery Podcast with Michael Toner. Each episode, Toner discusses marketing and communication strategies with business leaders, designers, and content marketers that help shine the light on successful companies and marketing ideas. If you understand just how important content design and delivery is to the overall story you and your company is trying to share with the world, then listen along to Content Design and Delivery with your host, Michael Toner. All right, everybody, and welcome back for what is the second episode of 2021 on the Content Design and Delivery Podcast. I think this ends up being episode 10 or 11 in total, which is awesome. Um, I think I've got three more guests lined up in the coming weeks. So if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your shows. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, that way you get alerted anytime there's a new episode available. I've also set up an email newsletter on contentdesignanddelivery.com. That's www.contentdesignanddelivery.com. As always, I appreciate any feedback. The stars that you leave on Apple, the ratings on Apple and Spotify are really helpful. So thank you all for everyone who has shared and provided that kind of feedback. Let's get into today's episode. I am really excited to bring you this conversation with Shandell Varciana. Shandell is the owner of Varsi Media, which is a content marketing agency focused on the financial services industry. Um, throughout this show, she she really shares an overall framework and a cool process for how she approaches a new content creation initiative. We navigate through the channels, how to create content that has an authentic voice and helps to build trust. So if you're involved in the content marketing world in any way, shape, or form, you're really going to enjoy what Shandell has to say in terms of how to come up with uh, what to talk about, how to go about understanding your target audience. And she's got some really awesome tips and tricks for where to listen to get that type of insight directly from your customers. You're not going to want to miss that part. Uh, and finally, how to turn that type of research into substantive and educational-based content marketing programs that build trust, uh, which is really where we end up in the conversation. So hope you enjoy the show. This is Shandell Varciana of Varsi Media on the Content Design and Delivery Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Content Design and Delivery Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Toner. Excited to bring you today's interview with Shandell Varciana, owner of Varsi Media. Shandell, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. If you could please introduce yourself, provide the audience a little background on your company, and we'll get into uh, everything you do at Varsi Media. Yeah. Um, so I started Varsity Media in 2014. Uh, we are a content writing company. We write for financial institutions, so banks, credit unions, and mortgage companies. And um, our specialty is blog posts and newsletters. Uh, that's kind of where we our sweet spot. So that's uh, that's what we do for financial institutions. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to dig into all of your work, the content creation process, the things that you're seeing, trends that you're seeing in the marketplace. Um, but before we get to all of that, I think the reason I was so excited to talk with you is just to learn a little bit more about your journey as a female entrepreneur. So maybe we can uh, rewind a little bit. And I know you mentioned you were originally from Canada. You you moved to Atlanta to start the business. Talk me through how did you how did you end up? What was your your journey as an entrepreneur? Yeah. So um, so I started working. My background prior to starting a business is with financial institutions. So I started working. Um, I was originally born and raised in Toronto, Canada. And um, at 18, I, I got my I got a job in um, 
one of the largest banks in Canada called Bank of Montreal, and uh, just worked my way up there. And then I left there and I went to work for a company called Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. They're the same thing as PMI here in the U.S., uh, but they're just owned by the federal government there. And um, when I was there, um, actually prior to CMHC, prior to Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, I bought my first. I bought my first property when I was 20, and then I bought a second property like when I was 24. Five, yeah, twenty-five. Uh, that was a rental property, and I paid both of those mortgages off um, when I was thirty-one. So I'm forty-one now. So that would have been like around two thousand and eleven-ish. Um, yeah, I paid both of those mortgages off, and I told maybe three, maybe three people I had told. And one of my friends that I had told, um, was just, you know, going crazy. She's like, you've got to help people to, to do the same thing. Cause you know, you paid off a couple mortgages and you know, many people take forever to pay it off. So you got to help people to do the same thing. And I thought, you know, that sure, why not? But I, you know, I, how, how do I do that? So she suggested that I start a blog. Um, and that's what I did. I started a blog and um, over time it got popular and I was part of that whole personal finance community. And um, that led to a lot of opportunities. Um, that led to me working with a, a lady by the name of Gail Vaz Oxlade. She's the Susie Orman, but of Canada. Okay. And um, once I started working with her, um, radio stations started contacting me and magazines wanted to hear my story. And that led to companies starting to contact me, wanting me to write for them. So I started writing for companies and I was still... I still had my government job at the time and I was just getting so much work that I couldn't handle it all myself. And now uh, my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, but he suggested that I hire some writers and I thought, well, that's a good idea. So um, and now we're in business. Yeah. yeah I like that's it. how the business was born. And Atlanta came into play because I've always wanted to live here. Nothing, you know, I've just wanted to live here since I was 21 and it, it took me 13 years to move here. Cause you know, the legalities and all of that to move to a different country. But um, that's the reason why we're in Atlanta. It's just cause it's my absolute favorite city and all the countries and cities I've been to all over the world. Atlanta feels like home. And nice. uh, that, that's why we're here. Nice. Yeah. I want to unpack a little bit of that. I mean, I think any good entrepreneurial story started out of your own experience. So it's amazing to hear, you know, as a, a young investor getting started in real estate, paying off mortgages. Um, I think I mentioned to you that my very first job, my very first job was a, uh, as a bank teller. Yes. I worked at BB&T yeah. as I was uh, coming out of high school and throughout college. Um, it, just in the past decade or so, I, I spent a few years at Navy Federal at the credit union. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I understand that in the financial services world, all, all the content is all about education and financial literacy and how do you help folks to pay down debt, um, yes. folks that are going into buying their first home, buying their first car. You know, I guess talk me a little bit through, you mentioned working at the, the, uh, the mortgage company there, you know, and your own experiences, but what is it about financial services that you feel like content marketing is really a key driver of the business? Well, what happened was when I was, when I had my own blog, um, so when I had my own blog, I was also working for, um, I was also working in the industry as well. But what I found was happening was a lot of people were coming to me for advice, but they weren't coming to me for advice because I worked in the industry. They were coming to me for advice because I paid off my mortgages. So they were coming. How'd you to, do it? Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to know, you know, how I did it so young and all of that stuff. So they, so I knew that there was a disconnect because the people that were coming to me, asking me for advice 
are the ideal customers of the banks, but they're not going to the banks for advice. They're coming to people like me because I'm in front of them, because I'm online, because I'm engaging with them, because I'm talking about my story, because I'm educating them. So they're coming to me as a trusted source. But again, it, it had nothing to do with me working in the industry. It was simply because I was sharing my personal experience. So I knew there was a disconnect between um, all of the information that are in banks and finance. There's so much knowledge inside of there, but it's not getting out to their ideal customer. So in starting the company and I was, the, the purpose was me trying to bridge the gap between the information that they have in there and how that information is getting out to their ideal customer. Cause I saw firsthand that the reason I, I, I saw exactly why there was a disconnect. And I knew that I could bridge that gap by helping them get in front of their ideal customer with the information that they want to know. Yeah. I love that. And it, it really means taking that educational um, approach. So the financial institutions, I think for too long, yeah. were really stuck in the, you know, the, the, the direct mail, apply for a credit card, apply now, low interest rate. And I think what you've really seen happen over, at least in my experience, the last decade, mm-hmm. uh, the really smart financial institutions realizing that, and you, re- you referenced um, functioning as a trusted advisor, and that if I want to go to my bank, I really need to see and feel that they are helping me, that they yeah. are teaching me, and banks really pivoting to that um, that financial literacy approach and content. So, uh, you know, when you're engaging with a new client, what does that content discovery process looks like? How are you all going about identifying that audience? You mentioned the ideal customer. How are you working with your clients through that discovery process as they get started in content marketing? Yeah. So some of them, uh, depending on who we're working with, some of them are very in tune with who their ideal audience is and they know what they, they already are aware of questions that they have. So then we can just get into, um, we, we, we start with a, a client audit um, and what that is, it just goes through, it's a bunch of questions. Um, so we can get a feel for who the financial institution is, um, more about their culture, their brand promise, you know, all of that good stuff. So we can really dig deep in who they are. And then we have to dig deep in who their ideal customer is. So we have to get to know both uh, sides of the fence so that we can bridge the gap through content. Um, so that's how we start. If the client already knows who their ideal customer is and knows what they want, then of course, we because we got to come in, we come in as ghostwriters. So we have to sound the same as how they've always sounded prior mm-hmm. to us even coming uh, on board. So there's a lot of work done up front in terms of that. If the client is not, oh, most of the clients know who their target audience or they know who they want to target. And in that case, uh, then we then I can help them try to get in front of them to discover what it is they want. For example, if one of our clients is you know targeting first time home buyers, um, I would task them. I would have them task somebody to join the top three first time home buyer Facebook groups and just sit in there. Just join it. Sit in there. Just listen. Yeah. Listen to what people are talking. All there. Everybody in those groups. Now you want to you want to be in Facebook groups that. Um, have at least 10 posts per day um, and, and often and every day you want to, you want to be in, cause you want to be in one that's active. Uh, and then the most people, because the most people that are in these Facebook groups, the easier it's going to be for you to start to see patterns, certain que- the same questions are going to start coming up. So it just gives you more insight faster. So those, that, that's the number one thing. Then you just go into these groups and you sit back and you listen, you, you, you just watch every day. I would t- have them task someone 
you don't need more than 30 minutes in these groups a day um, and just take notes and um, see what people are talking about. What questions do people have? What are people, what are people talking about right now? What are people fearing right now? Um, are they talking about not being able to qualify because they, they, um, their, you know, their credit score is too low. Do they not have enough money for a down payment? Are house prices too high? Like, what are they talking about? Um, so you can get a feel of what your ideal customer wants. Secondly, once you've um, sat back and you've listened to what they're saying, then I would start suggesting that you chime in. Like if you can answer some of those questions, answer some of those questions. And then you start to build your brand in these Facebook groups over a period of time. Sooner or later, if you're providing enough value, then you want to make sure your Facebook page is full of content, full of content. And the content that you should be putting in there is what you just heard them talking about, right? So it's, a, is... holistic, it's a holistic approach you want to take. Then once you've done that, so you've, you, you've been in these groups for a few months, you're listening to what they're saying, you're making sure that the content on your website is matching what you know your ideal customer is talking about, then you can take it a step further because the, the whole point, you want them to come onto your website. So yeah, they'll come onto your Facebook page, but then you want them to come onto your website. You want them to call you. You want to get the business. So after that, then you can take it a little further and start doing some search engine optimization. So now that you know what they're talking about, now start searching for keywords that match what they're talking about. Because what they're talking about in these groups are probably what they're Googling as well. So now you take a, a search engine optimization approach, and then you start creating content on your website based on the keywords that you know they're searching for because you've just listened to what they've said in these Facebook groups. So now you've got a holistic approach and a marketing plan that you can target your ideal customer. And this is done continuously because people start talking about different things. People change. The thing with banks is they've got customers from teenagers till death. So, I mean, you literally can, they literally can offer the whole life cycle, literally. Oh, yeah. The whole literally. life cycle. So you want to know where people are in their journey. And this is like, to me, this is how you create good relationships with people. Like if you can, if you can have a customer from their 18 until death, like, oh my gosh, then you get their kids, then you get the wife, then you get the husband, then you get, you know what I mean? Like this one customer can bring you so much more if you create a strong enough relationship with them over a period of time throughout their journey. I I want to unpack. I mean, the whole strategy that you just outlined is a, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it is a masterclass in inbound marketing. You started by talking about getting into these communities and listening, mm -hmm. keep your mouth closed as an organization. Um, I ran the, uh, the social listening program at Navy federal for several years. Yeah. And that's really how you have to start. You've got to get into these communities. You got to listen and learn. And then once you've earned the you sort of put in your time and you kind of earn the respect, yes. um, you earn the opportunity to chime in on those conversations. Exactly. I love where you took that of then the inbound marketing approach of putting that content on your site, optimizing it for search. You just outlined a step-by-step -step building block approach to how organizations uh, even outside of the financial services oh, yeah. business okay. need to be thinking about content. Yes. And then we got all the way to uh, the journey and looking at those milestone events. I know that those are always the big, you know, uh, when folks have their, uh, their first child, when they yes. get married, yes. all those life events become yes. really well uh, oriented. So, so a good question to kind of, you know, that's a, that's an awesome discovery process, learning how you jump in with these clients, how you get them thinking about how they're going to create content, mm -hmm. a little bit of a curveball here, but have you seen this change in the past nine, 10 months with the pandemic? How have the financial institutions or how have you had to adapt 
that process or maybe it's the questions yeah. that the customers are asking are different. The process doesn't change. It's always paying attention to your ideal customer. The message may change, but the process doesn't change. The process is always being where your customers are and being in tune to what it is they're thinking about, what it is they want, and how you can come in and serve them. That's really all it comes down to, regardless of what's happening in the world. Um, you've got to always stay focused on what your customer wants and how can you help them? How could you be of service to them? Um, so a lot of people, you know, there was a time where people are, you know, started going back to work and stuff. But I remember when this just happened, there were a lot of mass layoffs. People didn't know how they were going to pay their mortgages. So, I mean, you know, who cares about credit scores? How about we talk about forbearance and how you can help them stay into their house, right? Because that's what people are, people are fearful. I mean, you know, we, I have a couple kids and a husband that, I mean, I'm self-employed, but imagine if I was working for a company. I mean, it wasn't too long ago when we were both working for companies and imagine, you know, we get laid off and we've got two kids kids and we've got to pay a mortgage. And, you know, those are the things that are going through some people's minds. So you've got to put yourself in their shoes and think, you know, what do they want right now? And that's what you're going to be providing them through your content. That's it. That you're just bridging the gap between what they want. And if you have a product that can help them get from A to B, that's really all it comes down to. I just laid out how you go about doing that, but so, always putting the customer first is what matters. Yeah. And that makes sense to me that, that the process doesn't change. I, I think that's well said. The process doesn't change. It's just paying attention to what the questions are. And I'm, yes. undoubtedly, as you just uh, alluded to, the questions have changed, yes. um, you know, and, and, you know, folks worrying about forbearance and mortgage and how they're going to stay in their home and how they're going to pay their bills. And that's, that's a real, that's real life right now. And, and I think, you know, kudos to you and, and for the financial institutions who are truly providing value for how people need to, um, you know, put as much money away as they can when times are good so that when, when things yeah. are tough right now, and I know that's easier said than done. However, there is a process, there is a method to do it. So Absolutely. I'm curious to know how you all or, or how your clients are um, once they've gone through that process, they've listened, they understand what the questions are, they know the types of content and information they want to share with their customers. How are they packaging it up? What types of things are you creating? This is kind of the design element uh, with the theme of the podcast here, but are they looking for infographics, videos, blogs? Um, we can, you know, our podcast taking off yet within the financial, uh, within the financial industry, what does it look like once the content is packaged? Uh, podcast is not taking off in the financial industry. Okay. It's very slow. With the They're just getting into blog posts. So, okay. Um, that's where, cause a lot of them were not doing any type of content on their website and then even putting content on the website, you've got to be doing SEO or else it's not going to really make much of an impact. But what I've been doing with a lot of our financial, um, institutions as well as like, if we write a blog post, um, I'm, I'm showing them that one blog post can be broken down into two weeks worth of social media posts, right? So you, they, they have to be consistent on social media and put more emphasis on where their ideal customer is hanging out. And they can use the content that we create and content on their website. And you can take little snippets of that and create posts. Um, and then if they want to dig a little bit deeper, then you, 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 um, have them go to your website. You provide a link so they go to the website. Um, and that gets them back to the website. And then you have, you know, a subscription option for them where you're going to provide even more value. So all of that stuff um, we do. Um, but that's usually how it's packaged. Um, mainly the main message with content is that they're consistent um, because that's how you build the trust. Inconsistently, inconsistent uh, 
content, you know, confuses the buyer and a confused buyer doesn't buy. Uh, there is no, they just, if they're confused, they're not going to buy from you. Right. So that, that's the message as well, that they've got to be consistent. Um, so we do a variety of things. So yes, we focus on blog posts, but we will take, um, so some of our clients are doing video as well. Um, and we, and they don't do video where they're posting it necessarily on social media. It could just be videos that they're posting on their, on their, um, website. Um, we can convert that to text. We can take snippets of that and, um, we can take a point in there and create a blog post. So there's many creative things you can do, um, with different kinds of, you can repurpose content in many, many different ways. Um, so that's what I, I, we go through with them as well. Um, we don't typically do infographics, but we do newsletters. So newsletters and blog posts is where we focus on. Um, but we can take a lot of what they already have and turn them into blog posts, turn them into newsletters or take something from there. And so we were, all of the content is customized and it's based on, um, where they're at when we come in and where they want to go in terms of their content. Cause we're one aspect of the marketing plan. Um, yes, I can give them an entire marketing plan, but we, we're, we're just one part of the marketing team. Yeah, no, the best organizations I've seen, you, you kind of alluded to this as well, that they have an, an anchor piece of content. So that's some sort of long form mm -hmm. piece of content and then creating a, a strategic framework for how to um, divide up that long form content to meet the needs of the other channels. Yes. You know, you can't just slap the same piece of content on every channel and we can get into what those nuances look like um, and how you have to really respect the audience's and the communities that are in on each of those channels because those audiences are expecting to consume the content exactly. in a specific format. Yes. Um, it's, it's disappointing to hear that, that podcasts are not taking off within the financial services industry because I think... Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> I posted something uh, yesterday. I, I found an updated stat from January 2021 that uh, there's 1.7 million podcasts according to Apple as of January 2021, wow. which in... 2008 at WWDC, the Apple uh, Developer Conference, yeah. there were 550,000. So from 2008, 550,000 podcasts to 1.7 in 2021, we are still in the golden age of podcasting. And the only reason I, I even go into you know any depth there is that it is the type of content that can be easily moved turned into text, turned into video, yes. turned into social posts. And so it's the kind of thing that uh, I would not be surprised if you start to see financial institutions looking at podcasts as part of their content discovery. I've, I've shared that with uh, some clients that they should, because it's uh, it's a great way. It's, you know what it is? It's providing, um, it's providing your ideal customer with as many options as possible to consume your content is really what it comes down to. The more you do, you know, the videos, the audios, the podcast, the, the written word, um, the graphics, all of that is just um, allowing, you're just mixing up how you present your content to your ideal customer and you're giving them more options because some people prefer to read. Uh, some people prefer to listen. Some people prefer to watch. You don't know what they prefer. So just right. give them all of it, right? Just make sure in that content, it's providing the value that they want. Um, and, and, you know, you providing a mix of how they can consume it, just, you know, that just broadens your horizon to your, yes. just increases your brand to your market. There's a couple of places I want to go with this. The first is a, is a bit of a random question, just because I haven't spoken with anybody yet about uh, Clubhouse from a content perspective. Have you, um, not, we can take I'm, a bit of a detour here. Have you gotten on Clubhouse yet? Or no, you? like, you know what? I've heard about it. 
Um, but I have not gotten, I, 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 do you have to have an invite? Because I've been hearing that you have to be invited. I, I got you. I'll get you in. I'll send you an invite right after okay. the, uh, right okay. after the recording here. I, I wanted um, to check it out because it is the newest thing. And I thought, you know what, I, I should get in there and just see what it's all about. Cause I have not gotten, but I've heard, you know, so many things about it. Well, I'll give you a quick anecdote and this will lead us into the channels discussion, but you know, Clubhouse is an audio only um, social network where there is no recording of the uh, the conversations that happen. They happen in real time. You can set up rooms, invite people into the rooms. And the reason I, I kind of taking that same podcast thread, you're talking about some people like to listen, some people like to watch. Um, Clubhouse is banking on the fact that um, they're calling it the first uh, AirPod social network. So people with their AirPods in, folding the laundry, doing the dishes, going on a walk, um, you know, just to get out of the house since, since yeah. nobody has a commute right now. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that it's creating this real intimacy, though, that, that audio um, really allows folks to uh, spend a lot of time with the content. So people are tuning in longer. They're staying on Clubhouse. It is interesting to see the shiny object yeah. um, that is the latest, you know, the newest platform. And so folks are kind of jumping on, not necessarily, um, there aren't the, the same rules of engagement that we talked about early on about mm. how do you listen? How do you kind of earn the opportunity to uh, to step into that community. It's it's a, a bit of the wild, wild west right now. But um, like I said, that would lead us into the channels discussion. So when you're thinking about the the newsletters, um, the blog posts that you're creating, you know, are you working with the clients to strategize uh, with them on how they're going to distribute the content, how they're going to divide it up, which channels they're going to put it in? And then what are you seeing as trends? Are they focused in on uh, Facebook, Twitter, are there specific channels that work well for your clients or specific channels that work better for specific types of content? So we don't get into the social media strategizing. We stick with the website um, strategizing um, to provide more value. I, you know, I'm always, we're always giving them ideas on not just putting our content that we write on their website, but, um, to distribute it in many different ways, break it up. Turn, you can turn some of it into video. You can turn some of it into audio. So we just give them um, more info on how they can use the content we create because some may just be thinking, oh, well, you know, they're writing blog posts for us, so we just have to put them on our website. But no, like break it up and put it on social media, turn it into audio, take some of it and create a video out of it. Um, so we, we do that, but we don't get into... So in the, this the... The strategizing just comes from experience of me actually working in the industry and, you know, blogging myself so I can provide some insight into that. And then I'm all over social media as well. So I'm always on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, you know, in Facebook groups. So I, I, I know this because I, I personally do it and we've done it with clients. So I, I know a lot of the stuff that I'm mentioning here is, is tried and stuff that I've done. Um, and then I've implemented with clients. So I know it works just simply from, you know, results. Um, so, uh, we will get into where I think they should go depending on who they're wanting to target. And Facebook is just one of many, uh, there's forums too. I mean, there's many, there's many, um, places. Yeah, a lot of the I credit just, card forums, people really oh, get wow. into asking oh, a lot of questions there. Absolutely. So Facebook groups is, is, um, where I believe you can get the best bang for your time. Uh, if you're focused on first-time home buyers, you know, repeat buyers, investors, things like that, because I can list off Facebook groups that are, are great for that uh, and they'll get business from. So that's, that's why oftentimes I will mention the Facebook groups, but there's many other, really you want to be focused on where your ideal customer is. For example, like our ideal customer is not on Facebook, they're on LinkedIn. So I'm on LinkedIn every single day. 
um, that's where you know our, the majority, the bulk of our customers are. So Facebook groups is not really going to help us. Um, but it would help our clients. So it's really knowing where your customer is and just showing up there all the time. Yeah. I, I also think um, it's actually really interesting to hear you say you focus primarily in on, you know, the website and knowing that that content's going to live on the website. Because as long as you're going into the content creation process and you know that that's going to be kind of the masthead channel where this content's going to live, um, that's critical when you're going to create any kind of piece of content. I, I, I know, I'm sure in your experience, uh, folks will come and just ask and say, I need, you know, I need a YouTube video. I need Instagram and I need to be on Twitter. Well, what content are you going to produce on those channels? So I think understanding the strategy yes. from your perspective of, we know this is going on the blog. We know this is going on the website and this piece of it is going to be used in the newsletter. Yes. And that allows you to frame exactly everything from the length to the tone and voice, which you talked a little bit about earlier on yeah. um, in, in how to you know, focus in on those channels. And one other um, thing, if you don't mind, I'll mention yeah, is that um, the, the other reason why I'm heavily focused on the web content is because it's controlled by you. Um, you know, these social media sites are great, but they can change their rules at any time. So you um, having a following on your website is more powerful. If you can get their email addresses, you get their contact information. A lot of the financial institutions have all of that anyway, simply because the, you know people open up bank accounts and things like that. But if you can create a mass following, um, not only on social media, but on your website as well, it's just more controlled. Because you know Facebook can change the rules anytime. LinkedIn can change the rules. You don't have you don't really have much control when your information is on there, but you have all the control when your information is on your website. So that's why the goal is to get them on your website, have them subscribe to something valuable, a checklist, a guide, something um, where, you know, you, now you've got more control over your list um, versus yeah. just being focused on social media. And, and that's part of the, uh, the, the peso model as it's typically referred to the, the paid earned, shared and, and owned media and that owned media, those channels that you own that are yours on your platforms, not, not on Facebook's, not on LinkedIn's. Uh, you're right. I think that those are really the destinations that you're trying to drive folks to, um, which, which is really a nice segue into my, my next question, which, you know, you, you referenced that you kind of stay, stay at an arm's length there, maybe providing ideas and suggestions around the social, uh, social media strategy or the overall marketing strategy. But um, you, you just referenced, you know, getting folks back to your website and, and collecting their information. So how involved are you, even just from a strategic perspective in the, the lead generation process? If content marketing is this inbound vehicle to get to these financial services websites, um, you know, are you seeing, or even, um, are you making recommendations to your clients about how do they incorporate lead generation forms into their educational content? Cause that's a slippery slope. Um, yeah. So where, where do you, where do you fall on that? We only get involved if they ask. Uh, okay. Usually, like I was saying earlier, we're part of the marketing team. So we come in as being a part of their marketing team. So they usually have a marketing team already. A lot of them are already doing some form of search engine optimization. So we work with them because everything has to be tracked. So if we write content, it's got to be, it's got to be tracked. We've got to know, like, you know, um, 
how many people visited the site, how visited this page, how long did they stay on the page, did they click any internal links, did they did they move in the direction we wanted them to move with the call to action that we added, did they fill out the contact form, did they call, um, so all of that is tracked, and then yes, we are aware of what happened so that we know if the content that we've written for the past three months is actually working, do we need to change things up a bit, um, and then we're, we're also looking at what type of content did people like the most, because then we're going to start creating more of that, so all, everything has to be tracked to see if to make sure we're getting the results that they're looking for at the end of the day. So yes, so that that's tracked how many content forms are filled out, how many people called based on the content that was, and where did they come from? Did they come from what social media site did they come from, and then landed on your web your web page? How long did they stay? So yes, all of that is definitely tracked, so we can write effective content. Yeah, I want to dig in just a little bit here on the the analytics side because. Um, I'm curious to know how you are tracking and, and what, what metrics spe- specifically or what tools you're using, but, um, we don't track it. We okay. Track yeah. It. I mean, that's kind of where I was going to go. The, the, they, we don't track, we don't track the actual analytics. They track that in, within their marketing department. So we don't actually, um, we're just focused on the content writing and, but we work with them in terms of the keywords that we're going to be using in terms of um, how the content should be written uh, in terms of graphics that we may be adding to the content. And then what we'll do is we'll meet with them and they'll they'll show us exactly how the content performed. And then we can strategize in terms of, okay, this is what worked. How about we start writing content like this? Um, You know, we test headlines. So everything is tested. But when I say we, it's not Varsity Media. It's the financial institution bringing us in to show us how the content has worked um, so that now we can, you know, either continue doing the same thing or make some tweaks. Yeah, sure. No, I love that you guys are A-B testing, looking at headlines and, and what's yeah. working. Um, is there any hesitancy from from clients to share those kind of web analytics or are they um, kind of putting you right into their their Google analytics and, and opening the curtain to... Yeah, to no, they let, they let us in. Um, we, you know, we got to sign a lot of, you know... <laughs> sure. <laughs> We sign a lot of forms before we even get started. And then I make, I make my team sign. I, regardless, our, our team always has to sign a bunch of um, forms as well. Um, but no, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a team effort at the end of the day, right? You know, we're coming in to assist them so that they can get more business. So the, the, it's, it's really an open dialogue. There's a lot of transparency. There has to be, or else we can't really work together. We're partners at the end of the day. That's what we're coming in as a partner to assist them and, uh, and work with them. So the more information they provide us, but I've never had any pushback. Usually once they, they've usually, you know, dissected us before <laughs> they even started working with us in the first place. So by the time we, we sign on with them, they've done a lot of their background on, you know, me as the owner, the company. Um, and so they're, they're usually comfortable Um, you know, and I try to be as transparent as possible because at the end of the day, it's, I'm all about relationships. Um, for me as Shondell for, for Varsity Media, I'm all about, um, transparency and creating good relationships so that we can get you from A to B. That's, that's what the focus is. So I've never really had, they, I, I guess they've never really had a reason not to trust. Um, we haven't given, we haven't given them a reason not to trust, um, we vet our staff really, really well, just like I'm sure they do. And, you know, we just come together and, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I think the reason I asked the question is, um, and we haven't really talked about from a content perspective, I know one of the roadblocks or challenges that that I often faced at the credit union is the compliance 
when you're inside the financial industry, the, um, the compliance and regulatory challenges that you face from a content perspective, the types of advice, quote unquote advice, uh, that you're allowed to give are all being scrutinized, yeah. uh, which is why I was wondering if there was any hesitancy in terms of sharing the content that's working. Glad to hear that they are uh, giving you, you know, that kind of access. Maybe talk me through how, how do you all navigate, uh, or maybe it's just a partnership with the compliance team to, to get that kind of advice to the market while obviously keeping the bank or the financial institution protected from any legal risk. Yeah, so usually at, up front, we remember I was telling you we start with a client audit. So from there, we're aware of what we can say, what we can't say types of topics to come up with. Something we do as well is... Um, after we do the client con after we do the client content um, brief and they fill that out um, before we even start writing, so we'll come up with topics. They've got to approve the topics. Um, then we'll come up with titles. They got to approve the titles. Then we give them a complete outline of what's going to be included in each uh, post that we write. So that's approved before we even start writing. So they're given uh, pretty much, and and that we didn't always do it that way, but because of the like you said, the compliance, there was too much back and forth. So I said, okay. We're just going to provide them everything up front so they could approve it before we even start writing. And then I, what we found was there's just less revisions because now they've got an outline. They know exactly what's going to be included. They can say nay or yay before we even dig a little bit deeper. And that makes things a lot easier as well. Um, so, And that just came from trial and error because we weren't doing that before. And now we're doing that. And that makes things a lot easier. And compliance likes that as well because now, you know, it's the less back and forth, the better, because then you could just get the content up versus, okay, this is going to take, you know, a few months because we're going back and forth. So that's what we do. And even, and we don't, and in our, our outlines are pretty detailed as well. Um, so we don't just kind of give them the title and then subheadings. We dig a little bit deeper in the subheadings. And then now we've got a framework to really expand and that just makes it easier. So we get less revisions by doing it that way. Gotcha. No, thank you. And I know it's a it's a real life uh, scenario to navigating those legal and compliance. Yes. I want to I want to stick. You you mentioned something a moment ago about really being relationship driven, uh, both in your own work um, as a as a business owner, and then obviously carrying that over into the content that you're creating to build those relationships with your uh, with your clients and consumers. Um, you know, what level of personalization um, are, are the financial institutions starting to look at? We talked about target personas, knowing that audience, but maybe you can talk me through how you all are um, personalizing or tweaking content to reach these different personas. We talked earlier about the different uh, life stages where people are in their life stage. So, so talk me through what that process looks like. Yeah. So if um, usually because with financial institutions, they're targeting you know, they've got a lot of different target um, markets, they're, they're, you know, because you can't target an 18-year-old and a 50-year-old. So they want two different things. So usually the content is written. So con I, we're, we're always focused on one piece of content needs to be written for one audience. So not trying to speak to multiple audiences in one piece of content because then the reader will get confused and not even read it. So that's where, where the focus is always, okay, so if we're writing, you know, this month, maybe, you know, three articles we're writing to, you know, first time home buyers and maybe, you know, two articles we're writing for, you know, real estate investors um, or, you know, your commercial, your small business customers. So um, really, but, but at the end of the day, one piece of content is always focused on one group of people so that we can really dig in and speak their language and talk with them um, versus confuse them. 
So yeah, no, kind of answers that, that makes sense. Or at any point, are you taking kind of the, I guess those big themes, those big macro themes, like first time home buyers, and then drilling into, we're going to write this first time home buyers piece for this 18 to 34 demographic. And then this, you know, second, I say second time home buyer, but, but maybe they still are first time home buyers, but they're in a, you know, a 45 to 50 year old age bracket. Is that, is that the general approach of take the theme and then find the target audience? No, that you find the target audience first and find out what the target audience wants to know. Then the content is always based on what it is. What do, what do they want to know? We, we're not guessing uh, what topics we think they want to know. No, sure. we've got to do the work before or else it's just a waste of time. Um, yeah. It's easier to strategize by taking the time up front to know who they, you have to know who your customer is. And if you don't know who your customer is, it's kind of like just throwing spaghetti on the wall and hoping that it sticks, which never works. So I, I'll always say, okay, if you do not know what your target audience wants, let's not start writing for six months. It, it, it doesn't make sense to start writing and then figure out what they want because the six months would have been wasted. You're better off spending the six months and figuring out what they want or, or just listening to them and seeing what it is they want. What are they talking about? Then we come in and we start um, answering those questions um, because then you're also going to be looked at as more of a trusted source when you've taken the time because people know authenticity. They know if you care. They know if you just think they're a number. They know if you've taken the time to actually get to know who they are. People want to feel like you know who they are personally, even though you've got a million customers, it doesn't matter. It's kind of like you can have, you know, a thousand friends, but when you're talking to one friend, you've got to make them feel like they're, you know, they've got all of your attention. You actually want to hear what they say. You're, you care about them. And that's how it is with customers. And we're at a time where if you're not doing that, if you're not um, providing that authentic experience for them and you're not building that relationship you will lose them because that's just the time that we're in right now people want to feel like they are um important we all we all want to feel like we're important but more importantly we want to spend our money with brands that get us well said Shandell. i think the big theme there listen first yeah. uh, become that trusted advisor people understand authenticity uh Shandell varciana uh, from Varsity Media. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Content Design and Delivery Podcast with Michael Toner. 